0: LaPena.org for details. Co sponsored by KPFA. And you are listening to KPFA 94.1 FM and KPFB 89.3 FM in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and www.kpfa on the web. Um, please stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy ending. Divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today I want to talk about phallocracy, yes, our phallocentric culture. Last week I was talking about cockistocracy. That's a state that is run by the very worst of its citizens, yes, cockistocracy, caca phallocracy, or jockocracy, yes, a jockocrat, I love that, is a culture in which we have a phallocentric point of view, a male-dominant society, you know. Everybody tells me we've changed, and there's something to that. We've got Hillary, we've got 14 women senators, never mind, uh, same old, same old, but I don't think, um, listeners to KPFA would argue with the fact that we exist in a militarist, macho, monomaniacal world. We spent a trillion dollars, the planet, everybody, that is, the whole globe, spent a trillion dollars on weapons last year. Half of it was spent by the United States. Uh, how can that be possible? I, well, I heard it. I heard it, I think, on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> we're not We're not the only ones, not the only threat to the planet, just the biggest, yes, half a trillion dollars. I looked in my notes and it seemed um uh, you know if you follow the money um bin Laden spent a mere half million that hit uh on our soil, the uh horrors of nine eleven He certainly got a bargain, didn't he? Dark thoughts today, dark thoughts. I was thinking of Deep Throat, yes. Was it John Dean called it the dark, difficult vision of the right wing. I want to play a little game. Before I talk more about philocracy, I want to read you a couple of quotes. And just, just for fun, see if you can guess who said these. I want to try to do this every every time I'm on the air because... You know, uh, I I like contradictions. It helps us to think. Uh, Now, who do you think said this, the following, this quote? When information, which properly belongs to the public, is systematically withheld by those in power, the people soon become ignorant of their own affairs, distrustful of those who manage them, and eventually incapable of determining their own destinies. <laughs> Think about it. Yes, that statement was made by Richard M. Nixon. I got this from the AVA Anderson Valley Advertiser. <laughs> I remember Gertrude Stein in World War II. She used to get so upset because she said the American boys would come over to Paris and they would say... Uh, the soldiers, she would say, we are so glad to have Roosevelt do our thinking for us. Yes. Okay. One more, just just for kicks. Just one more. See if you can uh, pinpoint who said this. It's just one sentence. Um, what we want in our media is an ostensible diversity, while maintaining an actual uniformity. <laughs> Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, One political party with two right wings and so on, yes. uh, We want it to look as if there's um, an argument or a discussion going on, Hannity and Combs, that sort of thing. Oh, you know, he said, she said, uh, but of course, uh, it's all the same BS. And the uh, person who wrote that, yes, what we want in our media is ostensible diversity while maintaining actual uniformity. That was Joe Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, in the uh, uh, middle of the 20th century, the uh, point man, the brains, the uh, PR man, the publicist for uh, Adolf Hitler. Uh, This week, I was reading the article uh, on Deep Throat in Variety. You know, it's an article titled, I'm the guy they call Deep Throat, by John D. O'Connor um hmm. vanity fair july two thousand and five and uh <laughs> i called my uh my younger son i was talking to him he's forty two he was twelve when um watergate hit the the uh news became part of our culture uh we have learned that this thirty year old political scandal called Watergate, was instigated by Mark Felt. We finally got this confirmed, Mark Felt, F-E-L-T, the number two man at the FBI back then. He's now 91 and pretty much out of it. Uh, he was called deep throat by the two reporters, you remember, Woodward and Bernstein. And when I talked to Peter, when I talked to my son, uh, he said, yeah, he, he remembered the scandal and probably not because it dethroned Richard Nixon and, uh, got rid of the, uh, Democratic, the Republican, uh, administration. But he remembers it because of the allusion to Linda Lovelace, a woman who played the role of Deep Throat in a movie by the same name, a pornographic film. Uh, so many of us remember, we remember Linda Lovelace, this uh, tragic woman. um uh, she, <laughs> she wrote a book and all that, but she apparently never saw any profits. She didn't follow the money from that. Uh, I remember she, she turned up on the Phil Donahue show years ago. Uh, the audience yelled at her and she explained she was a battered wife, that her husband, uh, was basically her keeper she tried to go home to mother but mother said no no young couples have to work these things out and she said that uh you know after the film came out well you know she just became a uh, uh well uh, she was just sold by her husband she said she was just thrown into rooms with men and and uh uh and like that uh, several people in the audience asked her to name names and uh she did mention one or two and then they yelled at her for uh uh, for outing them saying that uh, she had no right to say that sort of thing about important people she said they weren't important just famous anyway um, at that time I think she was on public assistance her story is of course tragic um, but the movie Deep Throat apparently made an impression at least on my 12 year old uh, I asked him if he knew what, what that meant you know um, the oral sex allusion and he says well he he figured it out I guess uh, most of us think then of the uh, the Monica episode during the Clinton impeachment and uh, you know the detailed description of oral sex and I always wonder you know (laughs) always the allusion to sex um, cements these things in the mind context is lost whenever sex is introduced there can be, of course, no comparison, uh, between those two impeachment episodes. Um, Clinton, of course, was not impeached. He did, I mean, he was impeached, but he, uh, uh, managed to, uh, clear himself more or less. Oh, what a, what a sad, sad affair. Uh, we pay these guys, you know, the more I think about it, they get a salary to do all this nonsense. But, uh, I remember thinking that, uh, if, we had called Deep Throat, uh, if Woodward and Bernstein had, uh, tagged him or her with the, uh, the title Big Mouth, you know, I, I don't think any of us would remember that episode. Uh, at the time, many of us wondered if John Mitchell's wife, Martha Mitchell, were Deep Throat. Uh, I didn't think it was likely, but many of the women I knew were sure Martha Mitchell was the one, because of course, they were sure she was murdered and, they They wanted her to be the source um I don't know uh, I think that it's just possible at this late date um I think it's just possible we can assume that our passion for drama is always stronger than our need for the truth. uh I used to believe in the truth till I found out what it was. <sighs> we seem to need uh a tragic formula, you know something from the Greeks, from Shakespeare, yes, I want to talk about that today in reference to ancient phallocracies, Uh, poetic justice, poetic justice. Of course, sometimes it does really happen in real life, honest to God. Uh, Anyway, this article about Mark Felt in the July Vanity Fair is worth reading. Take a look at it. Uh, Once again, it's written by John D. O'Connor. And here it does seem that the truth is always fairly simple and most of us knew it all the time. As, uh, Deep uh, Throat said, follow the money and look, look to see who profits. Then you know, uh, what's going down. Uh, even Mark Felt tells that, tells us that, uh, there's a profit motive here. Let's see what it says here. Yes. His daughter is concerned that, uh, she says, uh, uh, Bob Woodward's going to get all the glory for this, but we could make at least enough money to pay some bills, like the debt I've run up for the kids' education. Okay, if Mark Felt wants to pay for his grandchildren's uh, education, that seems reasonable. His daughter Joan says, let's do it for the family. With that, both the children remember um it's Mark Junior, yes. Uh he wasn't particularly interested, Mark says, but then he said that's a good reason. Uh okay. The children explained that they wanted their father's legacy to be heroic and permanent, not anonymous. Uh that was their main motive, apparently, posterity. Okay. Oh Hollywood's gonna get hold well Hollywood um Uh, has done a good job already. Uh, Every time I turn on the radio this week, I hear little bits of all the president's men with uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, uh, Robert Redford playing the journalists. Uh, Ben Bradley's wife, Sally Quinn, has been interviewed a lot. Um, um, The assumption in this article is that Mark Felt was tortured inside, that he didn't show it, that he was not like the character in the film, ha- played by Hal Holbrook, uh, he was not an edgy or neurotic person, but uh, this was the most difficult decision of his life, and uh, uh, he had decided to uh, take the secret to his grave. Is um, 91, yes. Um, people do seem to live forever. <laughs> anyway, the secret is out, and let me read you the... Uh, little bit from the uh, article it's basically the author's opinion he writes i believe that mark felt is one of america's greatest secret heroes deep in his psyche it is clear to me he still has qualms about his actions but he also knows that historic events compelled him to behave as he did standing up to an executive branch intent on obstructing his agency's pursuit of the truth. Felt, having long harbored the ambivalent emotions of pride and self-reproach, has lived for more than 30 years in a prison of his own making, a prison built upon his strong moral principles and his unwavering loyalty to country and cause. But now, buoyed by his family's revelations and support, he need feel imprisoned no longer. Let's see. See, he started out as a Democrat, became a Reagan Republican. Anyway, uh, Vanity Fair, July 2005. Mark Felt, make up your own mind. Uh, Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, folks? Uh, You must remember that everything Hitler did was legal. Um, (laughs) Sad, sad, sad. I, I'm fascinated lately that everyone compares what's going down in Washington DC to what went down in Germany. And I think perhaps we're a little off base there. Um Germany was, after all, a very small, homogeneous country. This is a great nation. And um when we come apart, it's gonna be more complicated. <laughs> what I think is the the element that holds it all together, the key, the psychological key is something I called the uh the psychology of fascism it was that someone once said they said um, all fascists are misogynists, but not all misogynists are fascists you know they're they're different styles, people. I want to go all the way back to ancient history. I want to go back to ancient Greece uh, they weren't homophobic. no, I want to go back to a little book that I read years and years ago and a little light went off in my head. It's two and a half millennia ago and there were no weapons of mass destruction as we know them today. There was just human nature, the constant, you know. As I keep saying, history doesn't repeat itself, but people do. Yes, human nature. This, I don't, I I, every time I, start talking about uh, testosterone or masculine psychology I always get angry male and I'm exhausted trying to uh, persuade people to keep a systemic perspective we all know that men are just as capable of uh, non-authoritarian thought and behavior as women Uh, these are principles, these are not individuals but let's face it uh, Eighty-five percent of the homicides, let's see, are committed by males. So, what, what was my favorite line? I remember when I was a school teacher, we used to write, yes, most killers are male, but most males are not killers. Now, does that communicate my point? Yes, most men are peaceful enough. Uh, it's when they all get together and they have a certain kind of uh, Male bonding, leadership, you know, the sort of thing happens in the military. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about a book called The Reign of the Phallus, Sexual Politics in Ancient Athens. I read it years ago and I wrote a review. I called it Life in Phallocracy. <laughs> and I remember, let's see. up published this review, it was published in the Chronicle, and uh, they rewrote some of it, because a lot of it dealt with the castration caper perpetuated in Athens in the summer of 415 B.C. I think it was feminist vandals. They went around and mutilated public statues. There were these uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, statues of Hermes, or Hermes, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was the Festival of Adonis, and Uh, The Athenians awoke one morning to find that uh, the vandals had knocked the handles. (laughs) Literally, the penises of literally hundreds of statues of these gods. Uh, These were the pillars of the community. Uh, Now, this isn't about art lovers. Believe me, um, these were basically just uh, uh, stone statues without very much aesthetic appeal. Uh, They were busts of a bearded Hermes set upon smooth stone pillars out of which protruded at groin level more or less realistic and erect genitalia yes uh i <laughs> i remember going to school years ago here in berkeley uh there were some greek lads in full erection carved upon the sather gate uh entrance to the uc campus and uh there was an inscription there i believe it's still there i'm not sure no i think it's gone um, the inscription was erected by Jane Sather. Uh, fortunately for the new students, the uh, these lads have gone back to the classics department. Anyway, this book, The Reign of the Phallus, uh, was written by Eva C. Kuhls, K-E-U-L-S, and she is a uh, classics professor at the University of Minnesota. And it is a scholarly study, but it, uh, is really very much to the point. She concluded that the story of phallic rule is at the root of Western civilization. Call it the warrior myth. Uh, she says that there has been su- some suppression of this, uh, not only because of prudery and censorship, but because until recently all the historical research has been male turf. Since males, like the rest of us, tend to see what they look for, it's reasonable that they should see a culture, both ancient and modern, in which the male is the measure of all things, and the female, according to Aristotle, was merely a maimed animal. Here, Aristotle anticipates Freud, Yes, whose uh, penis envy theory is far from ancient history. Anyway, uh, yes, the author refers to Aristotle as a visceral misogynist who believed that women have fewer teeth than men, (laughs) Bertrand Russell said that if Aristotle had allowed his wife to open her mouth once in a while, he might have known better. Uh, Plato, on the other hand, had no wife, was a practicing homosexual. Uh, uh, He had many feminist sentiments, as a matter of fact, interesting. Uh, Among the later misogynists who expounded upon Athenian culture was Nietzsche, who wrote that he found it, quote, inevitable that an advanced and creative culture should reduce its women to the status of vegetables, (laughs) Until very recent years, history told us more about historians than about the past. Art historians are no exception. The suppression of pornographic Greek vase paintings was probably uh, more general than the suppression of, say, the comedies of Aristophanes, although you can't prove it. Um, In the author's search for truth about sexual politics in ancient Athens, She looks past literature, and she looks towards the imagery of the age. Think Linda Lovelace, Steve Throat, yes. Uh, The images stick, yes, stick. They go right to the brain stem, past the cerebral cortex. This was necessary, the author says, because she found no scrap of 5th century writing that can be attributed to a woman. No records were kept of Athenian women citizens. She says women's names are found on their gravestones only if they died in childbirth. This is analogous to uh, men, common men, who died in battle. Okay, if you die in battle or die giving birth to a child, then you're worth uh, a name on a stone, a gravestone. Historians and lovers of Greek culture will be irritated or intrigued by this update on the ancients depends on your own perception of Attic angst. Uh, What the author sees is gynophobia, that old fear of women, in direct proportion to the degree of their repression. She finds ample evidence of the battering and humiliation of older women prostitutes. These images are found on countless vase paintings. Mm -hmm. They didn't care for those crones back then. They didn't want anybody's mother-in-law. Speaking up, interesting. The author concludes that this practice helped banish the mother image from men's souls. Scenes depicting symposia, symposia literally means drinking together. Scenes depicting symposia indicate that a liberal education for Athenian male citizens included the demeaning of slave prostitutes. Sound familiar, folks? The old stag party? Linda Lovelace, yes. Aha! The often romanticized courtesans of ancient Greece were seldom well-to-do, as in the case of the modern call girl, the imagined uh, prosperity or glamour of such women was a sop for male guilt. The famous Asphasia, Socrates' teacher and Pericles' mistress, does seem to have prospered by her wits, one of those exceptions who prove the rule. The rule, as it is today all around the globe, the rule was slavery and prostitution. I have a footnote here. We know that the masses of women on this planet uh, still have no choice when it comes to uh, reproductive rights. Uh, it's not something they can they can determine for themselves. In ancient Greece, there was a brisk trade in girl babies. Sound familiar? The marriage age was 14 for female Athenian citizens, 18 in the more egalitarian city-state of Sparta. This was followed by a lifetime of segregation at the back of the house, where even the food was inferior to that served in the men's dining room. Of course, yes, <laughs> this sort of thing... um Look around is still going down. Male pursuits were, as always, public, conducted out of doors in the open air. The architecture there was sublime. Female chores were private, confined to the dark boxes called women's quarters. The author finds no pictorial evidence of what we would consider lesbian erotica. Wow, I find that, that very upsetting. I'm sure there was, there was some. Anyway, What she does find is bondage motifs, an iconography of aggression and glorified violence, on a scale with our own. Omnipresent everywhere always was the image of a wounded or dying Amazon, her breast pierced with the Greek warrior's symbolic phallic sword. I remember when I was a schoolgirl at Mills, we had a huge portrait, yes, of an Amazon, a wounded, dying Amazon. She'd cut off one of her breasts, of course, so that she could better shoot the bow, but her breast was pierced with the Greek warrior's symbolic phallic sword. Uh, I don't know why we thought that was funny. <laughs> that was the 1950s, but it it basically summed up uh, phallic culture or a phallocracy life in a uh, male-dominated society. The author of this book asks, is it art or propaganda or the best of both? The image makers, she says, the potters and painters were exclusively male, just as today's pornographers are uh, almost all male. Uh, at least they work for a male market. They banish the feminine principle and exalt the masculine. The overwhelming prevalence of male dominance and female submission revealed in the imagery of our age is more than just male fantasy. Uh, Even today, most brothels are male-owned. It was unheard of for a woman in ancient times to have economic independence. Today, there are a lot of token females in the flesh markets, But the real entrepreneurs uh, and the consumers are still men. Anyway, there's a lot more material here about the homoerotic subtext of much Greek visual art. Uh, Oh dear, most of my professors thought that Greek friendships were ideal and that they expressed an intellectual and egalitarian love ethic. Our professors were such innocent, innocent sweet fellows. Anyway, what I discovered in this book is an account of the birth of Western civilization that is further proof that the less room there is for women in the world of reality, the more they invade and occupy the imaginations of men. And that folks is what gave us the Greek drama and Greek tragedy. Ah. Uh, Thank the gods for Euripides who told us what women's lives were really about. Till Thursday morning at 8.20, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. This has been Jennifer Stone. So divide up those in darkness What's happening? Life with Osama Bin Laden. And McDonald's sponsoring the Pope. In other news, the California recall election. Global war on terrorism. Flush the toilet. The attacks. The Patriot Act has not affected their civil rights. Osama's former mistress talks to Rita in a big story exclusive. Aren't you sick of all that? Hear my voice. Escuta my voice. Ni Écoutez-moi, mon vieux. mi boss. Become an apprentice at K-P-F-A. This is an affirmative action program designed to teach production skills and provide media access to our communities. Call 510-848-6767 extension 235 to apply.